0: Where I grew up in New Jersey you know if you didn't mow your lawn you were really scorned it was terrible and everything was or you know humanly controlled and here it's like oh my gosh you know even, <laughs> our, even our yard is chaotic our house is chaotic um and it, and I like that
1: This is the podcast, Creative at the Wheel, and I'm Julie Clare. This podcast is all about the role of inspiration, serendipity, and spirituality in a creative's life, both in the studio and in the workplace. I talk with artists and creative professionals of all ages and backgrounds on what it takes to live a fulfilling creative life. And today I get to talk with Julie Wagner. An artist here in New Mexico, actually in my neighborhood in El Rito, New Mexico. Um, And Julie has uh, a full life. I'm going to read something from her biography um, because for me, Julie Wagner is synonymous with kind of wise woman, amazing artist. Uh, Seriously, uh, I met uh, Julie. I don't even know if Julie remembers this, but probably in 1989, might have been 1990 in a studio tour. And I was a fumbling uh, young woman uh, having just moved to Santa Fe several months before and I was, um, unless it was the year after that, and I was checking things out in Arito and in the studios and I, I remember very distinctly being in Julie's studio and being taken by a sense of magic and wonder and depth and I remember it was really hard to leave the studio and that I do not make up. It's like in my nervous system. So hello Julie Wagner. Hello. <laughs> Let me just read this, what you have in your biography, because I think it will give a little context. Um, okay. I love the 50 years here. Julie has been a practicing artist for over 50 years, living in New York City for five years, and then moving to northern New Mexico in 1972. She's exhibited throughout the United States and extensively in the southwest for many years. And, yes, her work is available. It's right now is in private and public collections in the united states and europe and i've got an extensive resume here it's really quite amazing to see all the different uh, exhibits both the museums and uh, solo 2 person and group exhibitions and teaching gigs and the whole bit so welcome julie wagner thank you (laughs) so i know it's going to be a conversation i've got so much that i could talk to you about i know we talked some yesterday about what you're currently involved in and i remember you saying it was Right now, primarily drawing and um, vessel making, vessels. Um, but I guess I want to just start out and say, where are you right now in your art life, in this long career of art life? Where, where are you given, you know, Julie and inspiration and the quiet time of year? And where are you? Where are you these days? Um, well, I I'm always like getting
0: ideas and thinking, you know, if I don't do them, they won't exist. So I, even though I'm not really doing a lot of work in my studio right now, I am thinking about what I want to do and what, what it means, what, you know, what I want to do that has some relevance to what I'm thinking about my place in the world. And, um, the world in general at this point.
1: Julian, how how much um, that place in the world, God, that's so much, It's um, that's that's one area I would love to just ask you about. When you're placed in the world, how much is that, would you say, your place in the natural world or the nature environment? Because um, I, I read here how, I mean, I know this about you, but I read here about the importance of, of the natural world about growing up roaming the woods of the northeast i'm reading this here collecting bugs Uh leaves and flowers yeah
0: Um,
1: but how much is your place in the world right now informed by this kind of natural world or how much the human centered world where are you in that conversation right now
0: um i think really i've always been more centered in the natural world even though as a person, I'm really aware, I read the news, I pay attention to what's going on, uh, but I don't think of my work as political. Um, I think of it as relating to the natural world that I see. And I don't, I mean, I'm not a scientist, so I don't, what I'm, it's not like, I don't know what the right word is. Um, but it's based on what I see around me and what I observe of the animals and the plants. And at this point, it's really um, informed by <clears throat> the the environment of northern New Mexico and the high mesa um, pinyon juniper um, land. From where I live, I can you know I look out on what is natural national forest land although the biggest trees are maybe eight feet tall so it's not like my childhood memories of forests at all but it is forest it's it's totally wild nobody does any farming or or grazing or anything in front of my house so that's part of where what i do comes from
1: You know, I was just um, speaking with somebody, a friend of mine's daughter who came back from college uh, for break here. And she said, well, I I miss, I miss this because it's so wild. Everything where I am um, is very groomed. You know, she's on our college campus. She's actually at Princeton. Um, Uh It's beautiful, beautiful, but it's all very groomed and, and tailored. She goes, it's just so wild here. And, you know, I live just, down the street from you essentially around the corner uh, mm-hmm. and I also have this and I'm, I'm wondering to be honest in my own questions about myself how much is this wildness a part of who I am could I could I how would I live without this now is it who would I be um, I think I take it a little bit for granted I'm wondering uh, how connected do you have a sense of how connected your art making is with this kind of sense of ungroomed or the wild you know the wild or the forest and the land I'm just wondering if you have a sense of that.
0: Um, yeah, I do think I do. I mean, like, I, I don't plan out what I'm doing ahead of time. Usually, I have an idea, but I don't say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what it's going to look like. And I th- I love accidents. I like doing a lot of things where, like, if you paint a wash on UPO paper, it just does its own thing. You don't you you can kind of guide it but you can't control it and i like that i like and i think it's partly because you know where i live you can't control it either i grew up where i grew up in new jersey you know if you didn't mow your lawn you were really scorned it was terrible and everything was or you know humanly controlled and here it's like oh my gosh, you know, even our, <laughs> even our yard is chaotic, our house is chaotic, um, and, it, and I like that. Uh,
1: it, Do you ever feel like, oh my God, enough, I want to live in a condo in the city? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very rarely, but uh, occasionally. Uh, well, uh, right now, I would love to live in a house with thermostats. But, oh my gosh,
1: there's an idea a house with thermostats we don't have that here no no no
0: no i know i mean our house is so cold right now because it's so cold outside and at least the sun's out today i mean that's part of living in this house and in this town too is that i'm very aware of what the weather is all the time because it, it affects my environment in terms of my house even
1: how do you find i'm totally with you and i've got a constant conversation with this. what space am i going to occupy today because that will <laughs> really determine what i'm going to be able to do like this one where i am right now it was a pottery studio david's and i've got it half set up but i don't have my art materials here i have, I have a little bit of drawing i can do where, where how does that affect you in terms of your art making do you find when you're in the house you do different things i imagine or when you're in your actual studio Uh, yeah what's the what's the role of just just place of house in your art making
0: yeah I mean I have a a drawing table set up in the sunroom in my house and so when the sun is out I can work on it without having um, to go out into my studio and build a fire and all of that Um, but it means that I'm doing like drawings in my journal or little small things or I might be finding um, a journal or something because I, things that I can do without moving all my stuff into the house. Yep. And, um, and it is entirely dependent on whether the sun is out that day and whether there's clouds or not. Um, and when I'm in my studio, I work much bigger and I um, much looser. I would say, um, it's more. Actually, it's more fun, truthfully.
1: But um, I'm I'm with you. I get it. The, you know, it's funny. I didn't know we were going to go here, but the theme of accidents and even just that—the role of the sun coming out that day—kind of determining what's going to be happening in the studio right. space, right? What, right? what What about the? Um, I'm really curious about. I think of you as being an amazing drawer, but also map maker and these journals with the papers and i mean it's exquisite so i don't know what you want to talk about most but i'm really curious about your vessel making and how what that has to do with drawing and accidents like how did that come into your life making vessels i, I do see that you study sculpture um uh,
0: yeah i well i think i mean vessels partly i think of it it's interesting because you have an inside and an outside and they relate to each other but they're not the same thing. And also I think of them as containers in a way that they're containing meaning they're containing ideas. Um, So I, you know, like I know sometimes people have bought them and put candy bars in them or, (laughs) or little pieces of garlic stuff in them. Really? Yeah. And, and uh, it kind of annoys me <laughs> because I don't I don't think of them as a utilitarian bowl. I never have. Um, but
1: just describe uh, one of your vessels that you can think of that you really like that ha- that came out of just so we can have a picture of it because um, I know uh, you work in so many different materials.
0: Well, I I did a whole series um, of vessels that on the inside there were like water plants and fish swimming around and on the outside were like reeds and things that would be outside of a pond not in the pond so that you would look into it and you would see fish it would be like looking into a pond to look into this vessel and i did a whole bunch of those
1: and was it it was mainly paper no
0: yeah they're always paper yeah Um, I've never worked with clay. Truthfully, I don't like clay because it, I don't know, it's just technically (laughs) I I can't get it to do what I want, so it annoys me. And what I do is actually I have a, a, for the vessels, I have a a ball, um, like just a kid's rubber ball, and I put a release on it, and then I start, uh, and I do drawings and um, ink washes and things on some handmade Japanese paper. And then I ta- I start tearing it into little pieces and dipping it in glue, this archival glue. And then I, and I'm working upside down and from the inside out just because of the nature of how I do it. So each vessel has probably at least five layers um, there's a layer on the inside that's whatever sh- shows on the inside, and then there's a couple of layers of plain paper, and then there's a layer on the outside that's the finished outside part. And um, they don't, you know, sometimes I'm kind of shocked at what the inside <laughs> looks like because once I get it on there, I can't see it anymore. Um, And I never see it the right way up until it's done and I've popped the ball and, you know, taken it out. So it's, which, I mean, it's all like, kind of like opening a Christmas present or something when I finally pop the ball. And sometimes I don't like what I see.
1: (laughs) You know, I'm actually really surprised hearing you speak of how much, I mean, I know it, you know how much mystery there is or surprise there is in your making um yeah i mean because yeah. it seems so when i see it it's so beautiful um
0: well at this point i mean i've done it for so long <laughs> that i pretty much i don't have many disasters anymore
1: yeah um,
0: because i do know i mean i know what to how to predict what it's gonna what might happen or should happen. Um, and, I mean, sometimes my ideas are crappy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are you with that when that happens, the crappy? Are you hard on yourself? Or are you... Um... No,
0: No, I just think, oh, well, that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, at this point, in a way, the ones that you learn more from your mistakes than you do from the things that went the way you thought they would, because... I don't know why that's true, but I do think it's true.
1: You know, you hear that a lot, right? Like if we could all just be more willing to fail. I mean, I hear, and as a coach, that's just such a big uh-huh. part of the whole conversation. But sometimes it almost annoys me because it's like, yeah, that's really great looking back. But when you're in it and you spent this time in it, and I've spent three <laughs> days in there and I'm painting and it's just completely, I just lost the painting. Yeah. Uh, it could be really frustrating. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you feel like, you know, you just blew it. (laughs) It's a mess. (laughs) And then you're faced with, you know, this thing that you either have to throw away or destroy or something because you've got this mess. You don't want to be reminded of
1: it. Oh my gosh. What's your most recent where you would say something went, didn't go, you didn't like so much how it went, but it kind of has gotten you, motivated or moving or there is that help of the failure you know there is that part of it
0: um i think well you know i did a a piece for the library auction um and i i thought it was going to be really really wonderful my idea was that it was going to be really really wonderful and when it was done it was okay but it wasn't really really wonderful um but It went in the auction and it's gone. (laughs) And I, you know, I mean, I would never tell the people that bought it that I feel this way about it, but uh, I want to do more because I think I can get to where it's really wonderful, but uh, I'm not sure how to get there, but it's worth trying at least. I like the inside of it a lot. I just didn't like the outside very well.
1: And how much of the inside, is it the drawing? The elements that... that Well,
0: the inside was like the night sky, so it was actually like this wash of dark indigo blue. Um, And then I took um, white uh, acrylic ink and put dots for all the stars with little lines with um, a silver lead um, to make them into constellations. And that part, was, that part worked. It was just the landscape on the outside, which was supposed to be like the landscape around the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just came out. It looked muddy to me, and I didn't – I don't know. The whole idea had started when I was walking the dogs. And where I live, you can see basically 360 degrees of mm-hmm. horizon – um, and I felt like I was walking inside a bowl, actually. And so that was the feeling I wanted to get, but it 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 didn't work quite right for me. So that's my latest disaster.
1: <laughs> anyway. I got, you know, and again, that role of the natural world or that experience of being in this bowl. would you how much would you say that's a spirit experience? much of it is a visual The impossible question here
0: yeah i don't know if i can separate the two yeah actually um i I mean it it's definitely a a physical visual experience for me but that is not separated from how i feel about it um i don't know i mean it It's interesting, because where where I live, you can see for miles and miles and miles. And people have told me that they looked at the house that we live in um, and had considered buying it. But when they stood out there and looked at the landscape out in front of the house, they felt so insignificant that they couldn't bear the thought of living here which is I find fascinating because I like that I feel really insignificant when I look out there, that I'm just a speck, you know? I don't know. I mean, I it, it's funny how when I was a child, I don't even know why this man came to dinner, but this um, Chinese man came to dinner with my parents. And I remember so distinctly him saying, you know, we get so upset about things but really if you look at the whole scan of of life you're nothing you're just a speck so why are you so upset and that wow. stuck with me you know for like 70 years almost it's i find it fascinating that i remember that wow. because it meant so much to me isn't that i mean it's wonderful isn't it
1: oh it's beautiful those that to me is you know those, I was just thinking, I I think just thinking about our interview, but what what, things that happen when we're young that for some reason we remember. And how is it that that's part of almost the map of our psyche or that which we bring to the the blank page. And you know, so for me it might have been when I was playing the piano, for some reason, when I did scales, I would do the whole keyboard, and I just, I wouldn't have thought about it, but the piano teacher was like, you know, that's really unusual. No one usually does the whole piano chord. They just do the, you know, the one, the one uh, uh-huh. scale, and and for some reason, that sticks with me, that memory of her saying that, because I was surprised by her surprise, or things like that. When yeah. I want hear you saying that. So why are you so upset? Like, we're nothing, so why are we so upset? Um, right. And there you go, for years and years and years, going to the blank page. What is that? So what would you say your creativity is an expression of something? Is it a sharing? Is it a way of having a voice like the birds being specks that we are? What does what your creating have to do with this kind of also delight in being a speck?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. You know, the other, another thing that I remember from being a child when I was really little, like probably three or four maybe, my mother loved nonsense rhymes and she used to, you know say nonsense like um I never saw a purple cow I never hoped to see one but I can tell you anyhow I'd rather see than be one and (laughs) she said that I went and I drew a purple cow you know like a really four-year-old purple cow and took it to her and said well now you've seen one and I think of that a lot that You know, like when we do something in art, we've created something to exist that may not have existed before. And it could be as silly as a a purple cow, but it could also be very profound. And so when you look at other people's work, you also see, you know, that they've gone somewhere that you might never have thought of going um, in their work. It's interesting to me.
1: Oh man, I can't tell you. I've got this odd smile plastered on my face because I, I've always I've I love that memory of the purple cow. That uh, the nonsense rhyme, but and also your so I hear there's play there. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I do think of art as play, and it's one of the things about you know. I don't find making art a chore or difficult. But even if it doesn't work out, at least it was fun to do it in some way um i don't you know i try not to do commissions and things like that because then it isn't fun and you're constantly trying to think of what the person wants and so what i've always done is you know like this woman now wants wants to commission me to do a painting of my house which i find really odd that someone else would want this but wow You know, and I just said to her, look, you know, I'll do some things and I'll try and, you know, think about doing a painting of my house, but I'm not thinking of it as a commission. I'll send you whatever I do, and if you like it, fine. If you don't, fine. But I don't want to be stuck with a painting of my house that I thought she would want that I don't even like. That makes no sense to me. So I've never done it. You know, even when I was in a gallery and they'd have somebody ask for me to do some commission, I would say, you know, I'm going to do something, but they can say, no, it's not a commission. It's just that I'll do something thinking about what they
1: want. How did that work out? Was that, did that Uh, work for you to separate it like that? Because I know sometimes in that category, I can still feel kind of like some part of me knows I'm only thinking about working with a house because this person is interested and I get I kind of get angry almost, but what, how did that work out when you went and did that when it wasn't officially, it wasn't prepaid, it wasn't uh um, commission, but you still were doing something you wouldn't necessarily have done without that.
0: One time it worked out just fine and one time they didn't want it. And so, but at least it was something that I felt good about. So then the gallery would show it and try and sell it. Um, but and it all came about because long time a long time ago somebody wanted to commission me to do a painting for their husband's law office and it, they wanted it to have yellow, which at the time I didn't even like using yellow. But I tried it. <laughs> I did. I did it, and in the end they rejected it, and I was so annoyed because I'm stuck with this painting that I didn't like particularly either, and so. I just decided I'll never do that again. And so I don't, you know, I'd rather give up the money, truthfully. Um,
1: so that's, that's, you can almost say that that's another way of saying failure, giving you a lot, uh, giving you a new boundary or a sense of um, something you don't want to do, which right, in it, a long, it, long life as an artist can be really helpful to know you're really not interested in commissions because that's certainly one of the things you probably get approached with. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, it's true. You know, I, I I feel grateful because I learned something, even though it wasn't a pleasant experience, <laughs> truthfully. But at least, and also it made it, it, it meant that I could be clear to the person that was asking me to do it, that I wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'll do it, and then struggle and hate doing it. And, you know, I've, I just, w- maybe I'll do this, painting in my house maybe I won't I don't know I've never really right. loved, you know yeah. had it I don't know I mean this woman she's madly in love with my house she lives in Colorado and I think okay you know if I ever want to sell it I'll call you <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot I don't That's know so funny. but but she said her husband is an artist and so she said, I do understand what you're saying because that's what he would say too. So I don't feel like I've, you know, upset her at all.
1: Just, no, no, no. There sounds like there's a lot of reverence in the exchange. Both yeah, yeah. It, so, you know, what you bring up there is that how, how is the impact of selling your art? What kind of impact has that had on your on your creative life? Because I, I'm, you know, do, do you associate making money with your art with success or... How do you have that built in or how are you free from that? Because you sound um, pretty free from that pressure, but well, I also know that you have this has been your livelihood for many decades. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, because of my situation in other ways, it's not much money for me anyway. But at one point when I, w- when I was showing with Arlene Llewellyn, when I first started showing in her gallery, she said to me, you know, She said, "Julie, you're not an artist who's going to produce for a gallery. You just—that's not you. And so you have to accept that, you know, you some people like your work, some people won't. But you're going to do what you want to do. And I've always kept that with me because I know that there are other dealers who want you to do what they think will sell. And I would never." want to be in a gallery like that to tell you the truth um but you know but it's always a kick to sell your work especially to somebody you don't know because it's kind of like an affirmation that you know you've done something that means something to someone else and communication is a whole part of this really
1: the communication how would what would you say what is that communication is it from what to from who to who or from what to what Um,
0: I think it's it's like the artist has something to say and they put it in a concrete form and then other people hopefully see it. I mean, that's part of being an artist to me is to get your work out there somehow Mm -hmm. so that other people can see it. And then some people will not be interested at all and some people will find something in it that may not even be something you are aware you put in there, but it's there. And that's always exciting to know that somebody else is, you know, seeing something and wants to share in what you're saying.
1: Um, Yeah, I can almost feel like there's a receiving quality, like you're giving and it's being received somehow when you speak of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know like the last studio tour, I put out all my um, journals, which are basically visual journals. They're not diaries at all. Mm -hmm. And I put them out so that people that came to the studio tour could see them. They were not for sale. I would never sell them. Um, But people could look through them. And it, it it was so much nicer than any other studio tour I've done because it was like a way... Of sharing with people and people would say oh you know this inspires me to go home and do this and it made me very happy to do that and I felt good about it I think I will always probably do that now Mm. Um, you know and it's I mean also my journals I mean there are pages that are really failures and to put it all out there, I felt very vulnerable. But at the same time, because it was so vulnerable, it meant more to people. I think it seemed like it.
1: I think so. Actually, having seen them, I I, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Vulnerability is part of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean. I, You know, I I had a friend once who told me she could never be an artist because it was like taking off your clothes in public, (laughs) which is an an image that I think is pretty hilarious. But, (laughs) But it is about being vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable if you're going to do something and then put it out there, you know, unless you're going to just put everything in the closet and never let anyone see it. But who would do that?
1: Mm-hmm. And would you say in this sharing, how much would you say you're sharing, um, is, is it coming from kind of an intuitive place inside, like how you, you know, something gets your interest and then you decide you want to do something and you're working on a piece and then it sounds like they evolve. I mean, I know that um, process of how it builds and then how you go, no, I'm going to go here this time instead of there, or I'm going to do this. So how much would you say you're um, I guess I'm partly wondering is how much is emotion part of what you're sharing or is it, is it more like vision and ideas that, that kind of speak to you?
0: Um, no, I don't think you can separate the emotion actually. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not an intellectual artist and I don't, you know, like an artist statement for me is really difficult because what I want to say is in the art. It's not in the words. If it was in the words, I would, do, you know, be a writer, I guess. And I really dislike writing things. Um, it just, even though I can do it, and I've, you know, I've done it really well in an academic setting, but I just don't, I don't want to do that anymore. God,
1: you know what strikes me, Julie, and I've known you for a while, but it really feels like I'm meeting you in a certain way of, How delighted, I guess the word delight again, but I am by hearing your awareness of what you like and what you don't like, you know, the, you know, like for instance, clay, you don't feel tormented by all that you're not doing in my mind when I listen to you. Do you you know what I mean? There's different qualities of conversation, you know, different personality types or being types. And I don't hear that in you. I don't hear you saying, uh, singing, uh, talking lament in lament about all the things you haven't done. It's kind of like, I I really don't want to, right? I yeah, I could do it, but I really don't want to do clay. Yeah, you know, it's like, this is, right. so what, what are the big yeses for you? What, what's the, what's your biggest love then in the creative process?
0: Well, I've always loved paper. I've yeah. always liked paper as three-dimensional, but also two-dimensional. I've always loved drawing. I've always, I mean, as even when I was in school studying sculpture, I always drew and I wasn't drawing um, ideas for sculpture. I was drawing for the drawing. And I, th- I love drawing because um, it's a way of really seeing something. If you're drawing something specific um, and you're looking at the thing you're drawing, you see it in a whole much more intense way than if you're just looking at it on a table or something. Or looking out of the landscape and um, truthfully at the moment like I, I used to walk my dogs up in the uh, forest and I would take watercolors and a sketchbook and I would do painting and I had these really great dogs that would just lie down and watch me and just, you know, I didn't have to, <laughs> I mean, at the moment I don't have that kind of dogs, but it was really, I loved doing it. It was so much fun. And um, I also, for a while, for about a month, I would go over to the to Plaza Blanca every day and I would sit there and I would do gouache and ink drawings on like um, 18 by 24 paper, big paper. Yeah. Um, And I would just do these drawings and they're very abstract, but I could actually probably find the place I'd done each of them um, just because I was doing it in my own alphabet kind of, I guess. Um,
1: Yeah. That is one of the most inspiring places for me, the Plaza Blanca. I mean, I know. Wow. Talk about when you say you can't separate visual from spirit, from emotions, that that place would come up. Um,
0: Yeah. I know. I've always loved that place. Um, And it often, like, if I really need to go for a peaceful walk, that's one of the places I would go. Um, Do you, you,
1: when you speak of this, I also, it feels so inseparable from your personal life, you know, the walks, the walking of the dogs, the being in your house. Yeah. Um, how, how would you say, has it ever felt like a job?
0: Um, <clears throat> no, not in a long time. I mean, there was a time like, after I went to, to graduate school and I got out and then I had to work to support myself uh, and I would, I would work for six months and save half of my pay, and then I would quit, and I would live for six months without working, on the money that I'd saved, and then I would get another job. And I was in my twenties, and it was easy to do. So I did. When I lived in New York, that's what I did. Huh. Um, and then when I moved and I stuck when I moved and when I ended up um, traveling to the southwest and everything, I basically stopped doing art. I just did little watercolors, but I didn't really do much. And then when I started wanting to do more again, i I don't know why, but I had to I started making animals on wheels. They were like, toys but they were also something more than that to me and i used to do wooden toys basically and i had a business basically doing them and i was making a a decent amount of money but at some point i i got it became a job it became work making these animals Mm -hmm. and this woman that was buying them from me and selling them in her gallery. I I said to her something about being kind of bored with it. And she stopped buying from me. She said, I'm not buying something from someone who's bored making them. Wow. (laughs) I know. Whoa. Jeez. And and so um, I thought, Oh my gosh, maybe I should stop making these. And so I kind of did move on and that's, but it was kind of like in order to do sculpture seriously, one of a kind and things like that, I had to go through that phase. I don't know why, but I
1: did. I of felt, producing? You mean a production mode more?
0: Yeah, and of doing things that were geared towards people buying them, I guess. I did, like, I do craft shows and um, I. Um, You know, like if somebody commissioned me to do a nurse on wheels, I'd do a nurse on wheels.
1: Right.
0: You know, stuff like that. And I just, um, I don't know why I had to start that way again. But I did. I knew I did. I knew what I was doing, actually. And I don't know. It's always a mystery to me why that was so. But then... And then when I, um, well, when I was showing with Arlene Llewellyn, she would give me a show once a year, and usually the show would sell out, and I would make money then. I didn't sell for a lot of money for each piece, but I would sell a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. And so it was an income of, of sorts. But then, then Arlene died, and the people that took over the gallery. I showed with them for a while, but they wanted really high-end. Higher-end, of- yeah. So there's a yeah. very
1: high-end gallery, yeah.
0: Yeah, and a very, to me, it's a very corporate gallery, which I just, uh, you know, it was like, the, it became the kind of gallery that she had told me that I wasn't suited to work for anyway. And they actually told me to take my work out finally because it wasn't expensive enough so i stopped showing and i haven't really had a gallery since
1: and you has your work always been how you've during that whole time when you left the production mode of the the wooden pieces has the arts always been part of your livelihood like then you had the arlene's gallery um and then you've all you've always been selling things and i know you do you know You saw a lot of students tour in different places or have you always augmented with part-time jobs kind of thing? How have you, because I think as artists, we're always working that for me. I'm always, um, yeah,
0: it's
1: it's a, it's a conversation that's, you know, changes depending on the decade or,
0: (laughs) well, I know. I mean, I know like when my daughter started UNM and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money so I got a job at the front desk at the hot springs in Ojo, yeah. making five bucks an hour. But it was paying her to keep her. I mean, she had a scholarship, but it didn't cover everything. Oh, hold on.
1: Sure, Michael, I'm here. We just paused a little bit. We needed to take a pause just for the audio's sake. Things were happening at Julie's place and. Um, So here we are coming back, and I I know we are right in the middle of talking about what it's like to work, and have an art life, and have a family, and do all this, and and we're going to have to do more of that talk on another call. Um, What I want to end with is a question about, at this point in your life, is there something you'd like to tell, you would love to be able to tell your younger self in terms of your art life, your creative life? Is there anything that you can imagine that you would love, that would have helped you when you were younger to know that you know now? Hard question, maybe, but I'd love to. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I wish I had been more sure of myself and more willing to put myself out there um, and to to be more assertive, I think, and also to have more fun.
1: Huh. (laughs) Yeah. And more fun, would that be in terms of the types of projects you took on or outside of your art life? or Both.
0: Both, I would say. You know, like when I lived in New York, I was very shy. And um, I, you know, I, I was doing art, but I was not feeling really confident about it. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, I think, well, why not? But at the time... It was, I mean, when I I was going through school and also my parents as well, it was kind of like women weren't weren't respected as artists. And, um, you know, I had a lot of bad experiences with being put down as if I was not serious. I guess, even though I was, you know, I was also very lucky because I did have an instructor who said to me, you know, you know, you could, why don't you think about being an artist instead of a teacher, like an elementary school teacher, for instance. He said, you know, you could do that. But then my advisor said, I asked him where would be good to go to apply for graduate school. And he said, what difference does it make? You're just going to get married and have kids. And I looked at him and I thought, you're married and you have kids, so what is, what are you saying? But I couldn't go the next step of like being assertive about it with him. I let him get away with it, kind of. And now I regret that. I think I should have been more fierce.
1: You know, Julie, I seriously would love this to be the entrance to another conversation, because I think there's so many people going through their own version of how to um be validated in the path that they've chosen as artists and it's and all that they're running into now and how that may have changed over time but how it still exists and right. um, so thank you so much i can't tell you how much how beautiful it is to speak with you
0: so well, well i love talking to you too i really you know i respect you and i really um like to know where you come from
1: Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to thank you for listening, and I invite you to tune in again. You can listen to more of these podcasts on SoundCloud, on my Creative at the Wheel channel. You can learn more about my one-on-one coaching for creatives on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.